everybody. How are you all? You doing well this beautiful July day? It's so good to see you. Welcome to Watershed. My name's Drew. Watershed is a place where you can find freedom, friendship, and rest in the finished work of Christ. So we just invite you to be a part of this community today. Would you stand together? Uh, we're going to just greet the people around us, say hey to uh, the folks that are sitting near us today. We've got our third Sunday potluck today, and so I'm just curious, what's your favorite dish at potlucks? Share that with your neighbor. We're going to continue our time in worship today. We lift up the name of Jesus, the mighty name of Jesus. That is the one to be exalted over all other names. It says in scripture that he is the king above all kings. He is the God above all gods. He is the Lord above all lords. So today we just invite you to sing this out with us. We're going to lift up his name.
just invite our kids uh, through third grade to come on up at this time. They can come to kids' ministry. Over to my Miss Becky over here by the blue doors. Come on up, kids, through third grade. Good morning, everybody. Are you ready for Sunday school? Yeah. I don't think they're this quiet back there. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come to your house of worship. And let us just, um, just open our hearts and minds to what you want us to hear and learn this morning. Bless us and keep us safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Yeah? Good. Good to see y'all. I'm Pastor Aaron. I'm campus pastor here at Watershed. I got a couple announcements for you this morning. Uh, first one is uh, this Wednesday from 6 to 7, Cadets and Gems. Uh, it's still going on, right, Tim? Okay. I need the head knob, you know, like, all right, giving you good information up to the date. Uh, 6 to 7 o'clock, uh, if you want to get wet, come from 6 to 7 and have some fun. Um, the other thing that's going to be wild and crazy about this week, uh, which we love here at Heart of Ike, is Summer Service Week. So starting this afternoon, we are going to have an influx of 100 plus middle schoolers. I think maybe we're going to be pushing more like 150 with volunteers and youth groups um, from really uh, not only around the area, out of state, uh, something that, yeah, we've been able to partner with for, for many years. Ty, how many years? Oh, four. So, been a long time, and God's been doing awesome things through this week. And uh, we want to pray that God will do awesome things again. Uh, normally, we've had Jolene to hear. She's been our constant throughout the years. Um, I, I, I think I was invited one week and never invited back. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jolene, you, if you've been around Watershed too for a while, she's, she's just a bundle of energy. She comes and shares God's word from time to time. She's been having some back issues, and so we want to be praying for her. She's not able to be with us this year. So uh, Scott Davis, who's a longtime youth pastor, um, good good friend of mine, I know uh, he's going to be here with our students, so we want to pray for Scott as well as uh, he communicates the gospel and shares good news with our students. So it's going to be an awesome week. Uh, if you still have any kind of donation, food donations, things like that, that you want to give, if you're still interested in even help serving these students and volunteers, meals, I know Mary DeWitt could always uh, use a hand, but uh, if you need more directions on that, feel free to connect with me here after, after worship, and I can point you in the right direction. So, And then finally today, uh, we have our third Sunday potluck, and uh, don't worry if you didn't bring anything. This, this month, we're providing the food, and one of the reasons why we're providing the food this month is um, for our youth 
and our children's uh, volunteers. Uh, so if you have, if you volunteer for youth or children's ministries, I'm going to ask you to stand up a minute. Um, I know there's a bunch of people who aren't here because they are helping. You can, Tim, Tim, Trisha, you can stand up. It's okay. Sophie, you help. You can stand up. There we go. See, now people are having some courage. Can we just thank... Yeah, Kelsey, I see you too. <laughs> no, we again. Um, we just want to say thank you. We we cannot. We are the church, right? The church is not me standing up here talking for twenty minutes. Um, we are the church, and so as we give our gifts and our abilities, we're better. We're better because we're together. And so, we again just want to say thank you. Um, so, if you will uh, join me in prayer this morning. God, we, uh, again, do praise you. When we clap, when we give you praise, Lord, when we sing, it's because you're, you're worthy of it. You're God who loves us. You're the God who's given us breath this morning to breathe. You're the God who's given us energy to get up out of bed. You're the God who's gifted us, Lord. I think about even as we speak this morning, Lord, all of our volunteers for children's and youth ministry. Lord, A, the fact that people will give their time and their energy and their gifts. Lord, in, in, a, in a crazy world where life is busy, schedules are just um, sometimes just out of control, where work expects more, families expect more, schools expect more. Lord, everything's pulling at every corner. When, when somebody gives their time, Lord, there's, it's, it's a precious gift. So I want to say thank you, God. Um, thank you for my brothers and sisters as they give their energy, Lord. And, and, and the beauty is we're investing in our kids. And our kids are as much our generation here today. They are the church today as much as they will be one day. But Lord, they're, they're a part of our life now. And so thank you. Thank you for the gift of our children. Thank you for those who serve them Thank you for what's going on right now as they just hear the good news. And thank you for our kids who are sitting in worship here with me. And thank you that some of us still feel like we're big kids. God, um, you're good. God, thanks for summer service week and everything that's going to go into this week. And uh, Lord, we want to lift up all of, all of the students and the volunteers that are coming for all of our staff that's going to be pouring energy and time, all of those who are going to, who, who look forward to this year to give their time, for everybody who's donated Pop-Tarts and bottles of water, to those who will, um, Lord, sit in the background and just pray. Well, Lord, um, we thank you for moments like this where we can step out of the normalcy of life and we can get we can connect with you in a different way. Lord, for all the projects that are going to take place, all the ways that we get to love our neighbors and show your kindness and goodness in a world that seems to push more back at you than, than receive you, this is a chance where the world can hopefully get maybe a little more confused about who you really are. And that in kindness and grace and the energy and the life of middle schoolers and adults, Lord, that that people will see your love. Now, not only our students are transformed, but those we serve are as well. 
Lord, we pray your blessing upon this time. God, bring your healing to Jolene, uh, Lord, as she's been dealing with back issues. And give your words to Scott as he seeks to communicate your good news. Father, this week in our church family here, we've experienced some loss. Lord, I think about Renee and her son, Richard, and Kate, her daughter, and their families in the passing of Dick. God, I think about Tom and Tracy and the passing of Tom's brother-in-law. We continue to lift up Norlin and Cheryl in the passing of his brother-in-law. Father, death is not the way it's supposed to be. It entered the world through sin. But Lord, in that, we thank you that our brothers and sisters have been rescued and, and saved. You've rescued them from death. That they no longer have to feel the sting of, of sin, its brokenness, of even death itself, but they are in your perfect peace. But Lord, for us, we need a rescue as we walk through that valley of the shadow of death. We need your comfort and your compassion, Lord, and we pray that fully for our brothers and sisters. Lord, bless them with your closeness. We know you're near, but Lord, help them to feel it. And bless them with your love and compassion. Father, do a work. Lord, as I think about the Visser family, uh, they've also, Kate's been in a journey with twins, uh, a pregnancy that's been um, pretty high risk. And Lord, the fact that in the midst of this, they were able to give joy and celebration to two new little baby boys. That Malone and Jones have entered this world. Lord, we pray that you would continue to just strengthen Kate and the boys, that you would restore them back to health, and that in the midst of all of what's been going on with dad, there would still be some joy, some ability to celebrate. So Lord, bless them with that, that gift, because Malone and Jones are gifts, just like every life that exists on this planet is a gift. So Lord, these are some of our prayers this morning. Father, there are so many more that are in our hearts and our minds, and I, I thank you that you hear our quiet prayers. I thank you that you hear the, the stresses and the strains in our hearts, the moans and groans in our stomachs, the celebrations we are afraid to share because we know others who are going through struggles. But Lord, that you hear us and you're with us. And now God, as we listen to your word, Speak. Father, use me to communicate your goodness, your wisdom, your truth. God, it's not mine, it's yours. And so may your will be done. Lord, help us all to have, have hearts that are open to you, what you have to say. Encourage us, challenge us, strengthen us. Lord, and again, draw us near to you as we seek to be near as well. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, amen. So this summer, we have been journeying through our series in wisdom. Every, we're saying everyday wisdom because we have been diving into uh, what's called the wisdom literature in the Old Testament especially. So the Old Testament is the front part of, if you're not familiar with the Bible, kind of the first like two-thirds of the Bible 
is, is the Old Testament. It's the Old Covenant. So this is everything that happens prior to Jesus. And then Jesus is this linchpin. He's the sort of this, this moment where all of a sudden the new covenant kicks in. And it's not that God started something new. It's just he's, he worked in a different way in Jesus. And in Jesus, everything that was found its fullness and its, its fruition. And in Jesus, he's not only the, the beginning of all things, he's the end of all things. And then we, now that Jesus has come in the New Testament, we see now life with, life with Jesus. Right? But all throughout the Bible, we have God's wisdom. Right? God's ways, God's teachings for us to know how to live. How do we walk on the face of this earth? And so as we've been engaging what's called wisdom literature, so that's like Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, you may know it as. But we're looking at, God, what do you have for us? What are you teaching us? And throughout this series, it feels like uh, it's really just been getting at the heart of going, if you want wisdom, you got to get God. Right at the heart and at the foundation of all of our wisdom, and it's really going to come back again today. If you want to be wise, if you want to know how the world works, if you want to know how our lives should work, you got to go to God. Because he's the creator of all. Now today what we're going to find out though is when we go to God, we find out that he puts boundaries in place. Right, that this God that orders creation actually like says there are things to do and there are things not to do. This is the way I ordered life, and you're gonna have to deal with it. You may not always like it, right? How many of you like boundaries? Yeah. I've grown to actually be okay with them. Why? Well, how many of you ever watched the Malice in the, you remember the Malice in the Palace? Early two thousands, right? Yeah. You know, you know why it's never good when the athletes and fans cross the lines, right? Never a good thing, right? Boundaries exist. Why? Sometimes for safety. Boundaries exist, so we know uh, how many of you have ever played Uno and then somebody had a whole different set of house rules than your house rules? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever played the, the card game? So this, this might be, a, I don't know if it's a, a Dutch thing, but like, it's always been like with Dutch people, hand and foot. Anybody know that game? Well, that's another game where it's like, where the, where'd you come up with those rules? Those aren't my rules. <laughs> right? But boundaries exist so we can play the game together. So we know, like, yeah, hey, sometimes there's a winner and sometimes there's a loser. Sorry, that's how games sort of go. <laughs> Right, but when we know the rules, we can maybe have a little more joy. I get really frustrated when you're playing by a whole different set and I don't know those rules. <laughs> the unwritten rules. Boundaries exist, so sometimes we know what is kind of our area that's free to roam. Uh, Drew and I were talking this week, and, and Drew was you know, just talking about like your dogs running out in the, in the yard, right? I mean, you can, I, I know this happens in your family. No one else's, right? <laughs> but you let the dogs out one door, and they're free to roam everywhere. Good luck getting them back, right? If, if, I'm, if I'm understanding right, good luck getting them back, and who knows what they're coming back with, right? But if you, if you let them out the other door, there's these things like fences, right? <laughs> and now you're not going to have poison ivy returning with you or other little critters, right? Boundaries exist for a reason. Boundaries also help us know then 
not only what's ours, but what's not ours. And sometimes in those boundaries, we learn what's called margin. I know where I can give, and actually sometimes where I'm just not able. Where we can let our yes be yes, our no be no. Boundaries are healthy for us, whether or not we like them. I don't know about you, oftentimes the sin in my life makes me want to push boundaries, right? Because when I push the boundaries, I'm in control. And I don't like it necessarily when someone else is. Oh, this is kind of reminding me of last week's sermon, Fear the Lord? What? (laughs) Right, but that's the reality is boundaries mean I have limits. So today we're going to wrestle with what is boundaries and that we have a God who puts boundaries in place. Proverbs 3 is where we're going to start today. Proverbs 3, starting in verse 13, we hear this. Blessed. And in the midst of this, we'll unpack it a little bit more, but blessed, there's, you can hear it sometimes as happy are. Now it's so much more than that, but happy are, blessed are those who find wisdom. Those who gain understanding, for she's more profitable than silver. She yields a better return than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. This is a really important image because oftentimes the right hand was, was the position of security, was the position of power. But here, even in your left hand, which was kind of seen as the weaker hand, sorry left-handers, right? But even in the left hand, the place of weakness is riches and honors, right? There's blessing when you're living in wisdom. Wisdom, her ways are pleasant ways. All her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Wisdom carries with it an order. When we're living in God's order, carries with it blessing. Here we go. Welcome to my new back porch. Look at those legs. Them are pretty. Right, so I've spent like the last month wrapping up the build on a house. If you build a house, you know it can get kind of stressful. Well, not only wrapping it up, but moving. How many of you moved, right? And then you move after 16 years and kids grow up and there's way more junk that still needs to be sold. Okay, right? This is last week, Saturday morning. It was like the first moment where things felt like they were finally in order. It wasn't that I was just happy, right? Because that is, an, uh, in essence, that is part of what blessing means. Blessing means there's this contentment, this happiness. There's this sense of like, oh. but with blessing comes a, bit, a bigger, oh. okay, everybody on the count of three, I want you to, oh. one, two, three. Oh. See, even that feels good. Blessing gets us in touch with human actual flourishing. The way life is supposed to be. We're not supposed to live in chaos. We're not supposed to live stressed out about whether or not my strike plates are long enough so it's not digging up the molding on my doors, right? We're not supposed to be stressed out about Wi-Fi thermostats or standard old thermostats, right? Welcome to my life. (laughs) 
God designed us for the ability to breathe, designed us to flourish, designed life to be a certain way so that there wouldn't be this tension that exists. However, as we've been talking throughout this series, sin has a different plan in store. Satan disrupts disrupts this life, steals blessing from us, disorders life that God has created. So if we want blessing, if we want to be able to breathe in life, if we want to be able to taste at least what it's like to go, what's fundamental is the need to be restored to our God. Tim Keller, uh, pastor, author, writes a devotional. I've shared uh, this devotional with us, uh, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. Um, but he writes about blessing. He says this, right, that, that blessing is what happens when we're not in that blessing. We're out of alignment with creation, with creation's order in all of its dimensions. He goes on to say, to be blessed then is to know partial but substantial healing of all of these areas as God's salvation repairs our hearts and our behaviors. Spiritually, we reconcile with and grow closer to God. So spiritually, in our heart of hearts, we know we're being rejoined to this God who loves us. Psychologically, we come to understand ourselves, and we find our feelings and actions coming more underneath the Spirit's control. Like, if you actually want to find who you are, it's in Christ. And then in Christ, he will, he will help us deal with all of the other things that we're trying to find our identity in. So there, there's psychological healing. He goes on to say relationally, we discover the added depth and dimension that common faith can add to human friendship. That if we were created actually to be brothers and sisters in Christ, we're actually created to be part of a family, not just you know, people passing in the night, rubbing elbows once in a while. How do we do that? How do we be restored to each other and re- through Christ, through God's wisdom and ways? Socially, we find ways to serve our neighbors in the broader civic community, no longer captive to political ideologies. Right? So often we see that dividing us, right? Talk politics and you'll You'll see chairs move really quick. And are we serving then our community? No, we're only tending to add more dissension. But in Christ, we come to a table. And we can realize that the ways of Christ, how we work those things out, man, those, the, the, the ways are vast and various. But to do kindness, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God, to serve each other, rich or poor. And that's godly ways in wisdom. He goes on, salvation is not merely forgiveness and admission to heaven. It means life is healed slowly but surely in all its dimensions. Blessedness is participating in knowing that life is getting healed that we're able to more and more breathe deep to be at peace. Well, we know this blessedness, right, comes then in God's ordering. We hear this in the scriptures now in the next verses, in verse 19 and 20. By wisdom, 
the Lord laid the, found, the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let, the drop, or let drop the dew. We go on to Proverbs 8. I was there. And this is after, now we see wisdom personified, and we see wisdom actually as Jesus in the Old Testament. Ooh, don't have enough time for that one. But... We see wisdom at the laying the foundations, giving order to the world. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his world, and delighting in mankind. Wisdom was there in the foundation, in the very fabric of the ordering of that which was sort of chaos, was all the stuff of creation. We read in Genesis 1, God puts the heavens in their place, puts the waters in their place, forms the dry ground, gives the trees, gives the birds a place to be, creates humanity in his image. Right? God orders life. It's wisdom that does that. So why do we think that he doesn't? Right, this week we just saw images, new images of the James Webb Telescope. Right? I could not think of God's ordering of the world without looking at some of these. Right, That top picture, uh, the Carina Nebula, which is part of the Milky Way. But it's like, here, I've, I've got my notes here. So 7,600 light years from Earth. Uh, how many of you can comprehend a light year? If you can, you're better than I. I, I right? But look at that. God could order this. God could create this. As much as he could create the trees, this beautiful lake we live near, the sand dunes and, and the ecosystems that within a mile of the lake all take place, God can order all of those things. God can, God can make that nebula and hold that in its place. How about the, uh, on the lower left hand, we have the SMACS0723. Thank you, scientists. It's just an image of thousands of galaxies. And yet the God who could create that, who holds that, puts order in all of that, knows and loves you. Knows every hair that's on your head or every hair that's missing. Right, we move to the middle and we see the southern nebula ring. I mean, just, wow, how captivating is that? And then Stephen's quintet, five galaxies colliding. What could seem like chaos, and yet God still knows this order. See, the God we trust who gives boundaries who creates order, is a God who can hold all of this together. Not somebody who can write an article in a newspaper. Not somebody who's read a few books and has a degree, myself included. Right? The God I serve isn't bound by creation. He created it. He delighted in it. 
the God we worship and profess, while I may not always like the boundary lines he draws, knows what gives life, knows what takes it away. I know I like to push back at those boundaries. I wonder what my life would look like. And maybe you can play with this question this week as well. Is if instead of pushing back on the boundaries that God puts in order, puts there for us, what would it look like if we just said, God, what are you trying to teach me? What if we actually feared God? Going back to last week, right? What if we actually understood that God is God? We're not. That God can actually take all of these galaxies, holds them in place, orders our lives, still loves us. By the way, doesn't even let death win, can rescue us from death. We know that because Jesus came back to life. So if God can do all of this, what if instead of pressing back on him and thinking we know better than him, By the way, this Bible has been written by how many different people? There's 66 different books. It's been written over like thousands of years, and yet still his, his, his outlasted lifetimes upon lifetimes. What if we were not so arrogant to try to tell God what he should think? And we just said, God, what do you think? How different would my life be? Folks, I don't know about you, I'm a work in progress. But I can tell you this, there's way more blessing when I've learned to ask the question and let God be God than me telling him what he should do. There has come more peace. Even when life seems a little chaotic, there's become more constant. There's been a surer foundation, even when I feel like the earth has given way. And like Psalm 46 says, the mountains have crashed into the heart of the sea. I've begun to understand that the God of Jacob, the Lord Almighty, is my fortress and my refuge. See, as we continue on in the Proverbs, this is why a father says to a child, right? Says to a son. My son, don't let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you and an ornament of grace around your neck. Because if you order your life within God's order, I mean, this is all of what Proverbs is saying. Now, most of it's probability. It's not promising you that life's going to be perfect. Jesus himself doesn't tell you life's going to be perfect. But if you want blessing, get in line with God. I know that's not always popular. Get in line. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks. Woo. (laughs) But we're talking about the God of the world here that made Isaiah fall to his face. John, a friend, tremble. Blessing comes following his instruction. Right? This father goes on to say, right? Because As much as we want to follow, as much as sometimes we may want to get things straight, we want to get in line, there are moments, right? Evil does come in, sin does distort, sin does disorder, right? He says to this, don't withhold good from those whom it's due when you have in your power to act. How many times have we done that? 
of an opportunity to do something, to, to just show up. Maybe it's just something, kindness. It's, maybe it is to give a few bucks that are in our pocket. I don't know. But when it's in your power to act, why so often do we not? He says, don't withhold that good. Verse 28, don't say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Goes on to say, don't plot harm against your neighbor who lives trustfully near you. I think the interesting thing about that part of the proverb right there is how many of us live trustfully with our neighbors anymore. That should show us right there that order in God's world is distorted. Right? I, I shouldn't, A, I shouldn't plot harm against my neighbor who's living trustfully next to me, but man, we're in a world right now where do we even trust our neighbors? Well, maybe it starts then with maybe I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll lean in and get to know them and learn to trust them. <laughs> maybe I can represent Jesus well by actually crossing that boundary line and respecting their space and being able to say, hi, my name is, and I'm your neighbor. Maybe it's just developing that trust again. The Father says, don't accuse anyone for no reason when they've done you no harm. Okay? That's pretty self-explanatory. Verse 31, don't envy the violent or choose any of their ways. How many times do we, we see somebody hurt us and we want to use it then as, a, as an ability to ret, have retribution, right? You did it to me, I'll do it to you. It's my younger sister hitting me and I'm going to hit you 10 times harder, right? Yeah, that's in every one of us. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Verse 32, for the Lord detests the perverse but takes the upright into his confidence. Perverse in the scriptures often means those who purposefully distort God's order. It's not just perverse as we think in sexually, right? We have a highly sexualized culture and we're highly sexualized people. But perverse as a whole is a disruption of God's order. God detests that. Why? Because it's, it's, it's a slap in the face of the one who creates he goes, the Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and the oppressed. Verse 35, the wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Right, a father saying, order your life in God's order. Now for many of us, it seems like foolishness in this world today. To submit to God, to be a follower of Jesus, is seen as weakness. It's because you're not evolved enough to live by your, 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 your concoction of the world. You must not be confident enough, or you must not be good enough, or you must not, you, you must not have gone on a, on, a, on a great journey to find yourself. In the <laughs> but see, at our heart of hearts... If we were created by God, we were also created for him. Romans 11, Colossians 1 both remind us of this. It was through God, it was through Christ that we were created. It is for God that we are created. It is by him that we are created. We were created and designed to be in relationship with God. And God will not let that which is distorted in our lives keep us from him. See, because that's the good news. All of us struggle with getting in line. Amen? How many of you don't? Raise your hand. I want to see. No, <laughs> yeah, go, go for it, Drew. <laughs> right, we don't. We, we all struggle 
right? And we're all in the same place then of going, how do I order lives? We're all in a journey of going, God, what do you think? None of us have it all figured out. But the good news at the end of the day is this, that Christ lived that perfect life. As the first and the last one, we're wrapped into him. He becomes our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. That by saying we have freedom in our lives to say, I don't have it all together. We have freedom in our lives to say, man, I'm trying to figure out what it looks like to order my life underneath God. We have time to, because man, God certainly, I don't know about you, but God certainly in my life has not dumped everything wrong I've done on me at one time. Because <laughs> like the psalmist says as well, how could you stand? In the next breath, but with him is forgiveness. See, Christ is the wisdom of God for us. He lived and did what we could not do. As we have this image of the cross, I just want you to hear these words from Paul in 1 Corinthians. As he talks about wisdom and foolishness. It says this, starting in verse 18 of chapter 1. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Because remember, it's God's world. God goes on to say, where's the wise person? Where's the teacher of law? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom didn't know him. See, the world's wisdom doesn't point you to God, it points you away from God. And this is why he has no problem frustrating the wisdom of the world. It didn't know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs, Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks. We preach Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Think of where we've been. Maybe even think of where we are. Right? Not many of us were wise by human standards. Not many influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world the and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It's because of him, God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, so our rightness, our holiness, our purity, our perfection, and our redemption. So all of the good has been a gift of God. And all the times we haven't, it's him filling in the gap to restore us even though we didn't do what we were supposed to do. 
Therefore, it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Wisdom continues to bring us back to this truth. It's life with God and living in light of God. It isn't me. That's what we remember in communion this morning. We remember the one who did what maybe was could be perceived as one of the most foolish things in the world. Why would you die as king of the world, as creator of all things? Because he knew he could disrupt all the powers and the authorities, all the spiritual realm that, that's the unseen, as much as restore all that is in him. That with him there is forgiveness. When Jesus takes the bread, he says, this is my body given for you. Right? The God of the world redeems us and restores us by his sacrifice, by the gift of himself. Not by saying, go get it right or else. But saying, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. And in the same way as he sat with his disciples, he said, hey, this is a new covenant. This is a new promise. Whereas the old promise was, how well are you really kind of following the law? Did you make all of the sacrifice when things weren't right? Did you live a life that was honoring and worthy of me? He says, no, this is a covenant that's in my blood. Because God knew that no sacrifice could take away the guilt of our sin. The shame we feel. The places we've been. Or even the things that will be. He knew That in him, in his blood, that's the only way we would have life. Jesus says, this is me. This is the foolishness. It's foolishness to the world. It's foolishness if you want to think you're in charge. This will make no sense to you. However, if you're open to God, you're open to Christ and what he's done, you're willing, no matter where you are, to say, you know what, I, I, it, maybe it's even as little as I know, but I'm going to bend my knee to this God, and I, Lord, I want to follow you. The Holy Spirit's going to make this make all kinds of sense. Maybe not up here, but in here. That's why he gives us these gifts, tangible gifts, because he doesn't just want to work and talk to our minds. He wants to speak to our hearts, and he wants to transform us from the inside this point, I want to invite those who are serving communion to come on up, and uh, the worship team is going to come up. They're going to lead us in song. Just want to give us a couple instructions here as, as they're all coming up. You see these aisles closest to the chairs? If you're working your way down, why don't you come down these aisles, work your way down towards the table. There's a couple gluten-free, there's a gluten-free option there, or if you're still not comfortable with somebody handling um, food, Feel free to take one of those. Um, Don't worry, you're just as blessed. (laughs) But come down and then circle around the tables. If you're upstairs, we'll have somebody serving up there as well. But I want us to remember today before I pray that these are the gifts of God for the people of God. No matter where you are, where you've been, or even where you'll be, this is God's gift and his grace to us. Let's pray. Lord, bless this meal to us. 
Something as simple as bread and juice. God, we can't make it become something. We can't make it communicate grace to us, but we can remember. We can remember that it's about your forgiveness, your love, your mercy. So Lord, remind us today by your spirit. Pour your grace into us. Strengthen us by it and encourage us through what is the foolishness of the cross, but is your wisdom to the world. We love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. And I'd like to invite you to come forward as you feel comfortable and ready.
sing this next song with us, a reminder that God is making all the broken things renewed and restored again. So we'll sing this out together.
you're going to get an extra blessing this morning. Right, Mr. Van Kempen. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the cool thing. God is as consistent with each of us as he is with all of you. He draws boundaries to lead us to life, to lead us away from death. But the love we sing of is as much for my little brother as it is for me. No dimes, no degrees. Doesn't matter what I know, where I've been. And doesn't matter quite how much you know yet. What matters is him. The wisdom of the world. So be blessed this week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you, his countenance upon you, and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Uh, feel free to join us for lunch. Uh, if you don't mind stacking a few chairs, we appreciate it. Coffee.